0: Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Animal. Joining me on the show tonight, we've got Mr. Paul Thorpe. Tony Pounder joins us again. Ricky Hyatt's here with his usual dose of humour, and Hilda Pryor's back from maternity leave. And I might even join in tonight. Sit back and enjoy yourself and let's talk about what's going on in football right now. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Um, better introduce our guests, I suppose, to start with. Tony Pounder's here. Hi, Tony. Good evening, and Happy New Year to you all. And to you, mate. And uh, Hilda's back
1: from uh, maternity leave. How's Harry Hilda? Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, always good to be back with you boys. Yes, indeed. Rick, you okay, old dog? I'm very well, thank you, and Happy New Year to
2: everybody.
0: Yes, indeed. (laughs) And uh, I don't know whether Paul can hear us or not, because we have been warned he's got connection problems. Can you hear us, Paul?
3: Just at the moment, yeah, I can. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you, yeah, and uh, and I can see you, actually. Um, Happy New Year to everyone. Right, well, thanks for that. So, everybody, welcome to the show. Um, Before we start, I just want to mention... Something for those of you that might have been listening to our connection on Sunday for the Torquay match. Uh, those of you that were listening will know that we lost connection. Unfortunately, there is absolutely nothing we can do about this. It's because the internet drops at the stadium. Um, whether it's too many people using their phones at the stadium or what, I just don't know. But we're we're just helpless. We can't do anything about it. So whilst I know it must be extremely annoying for you guys listening... Um, I can only apologise, but it's it's just one of those things that hopefully Yeovil you know, can get something sorted out with their Wi-Fi system, but um, I don't know why it keeps dropping, but it does. So apologies for that, but let's get on with the show. So Hilda, are you going to MC again tonight?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to to jump straight back in off the, off the back of that because you've led it to a nice segue talking about the game on Sunday. So it's kind of one place to start, really, because mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot going on around Yeovil Town at the moment, both on and off the pitch, but I think it's best to start with on the pitch because, um, hey, it was a 2-0 win over a local rival on New Year's Day. Great way to start the year, Worthington and Maguire drew. Rick, you were there, were you? What did what did you make of the, uh, the overall performance? Uh, it was... A game of two halves, really. I
2: uh, he was mentioning it in commentary. I was sat next to him while he was uh, eulogising. And it was very much um, two different approaches. And in the second half, was Yeovil were much more on the front foot, took the game to more, and got, and got what they, they thoroughly deserved. And it's nice to see Yeovil score more than one goal and not have it quite a so squeaky bum for quite so long. And hopefully that starts a little run now because they're playing. If they carry on playing like they did in that second half,
1: then things things are looking good. Thorpe, if you if you can hear us, do you want to do you want to come in on that? I um, managed to catch bits of it in the, the commentary on Three Valleys, and it did sound like, as Rick says, that it did seem very much sort of a game of two halves to an extent. I thought from what I heard and saw is that both teams had flurries. But uh, Yeovil managed to score when they had their moment and Torquay didn't. Well, there's certain bits about it.
3: You know, the, uh, the fact that they, they, they tried a certain person right down the middle, uh, sort of like uh, unsettled the thought process of what Torquay were trying to do, you know, with uh, Everton up there. And he um, worked really, really hard, but it probably wasn't really quite working. But before our time, I thought that uh, Torquay were really on top and um, Gary would been the happier of the two, You know, and uh, obviously he needed changing the half time, which he did. And obviously they got a bit of a, a good uh, mark for to talking too. Um, and they said, really, just start getting at them. And um, I think the second half proved that they, worked. they were right on it right from where word, word go. Um, his substitutions were really good as well. Um, I thought they really worked. And, um, you know, to see the lot of uh, Wellington playing slightly out of position in the first half. And then, um, it, but his work was, was, was phenomenal. Um, for him to get a cap it off with the goal at the end. And like you say, they did have a really classy goal. He uh, sort of sealed the win. It was actually fantastic. And on shot of this for the lads.
1: Thorpey, just just off the back of that, you mentioned about uh, Richard Epperton, the experiment and starting him up front. Um, Were you ever were you ever asked to play that false nine role at any point in your career?
3: Uh, I was was asked on numerous occasions to um, to to try that out, and you know a little bit of um, mix mix. um, You know, whether it worked or whether it didn't work. I was able to sort of like um, upset the defence, should I say, with my uh, <laughs> my dazzling skills and uh, my robustness, we, which we call it. Like so, really to upset them and, and try and get on as much as I could. And for the likes of John McGinley, Paul Randall, and uh, hopefully they could they could like uh, take up the bits and pieces and score the goals. Um, but uh, yeah, it, uh, I have I played there for probably um, more more up front than the defence for probably about a season and a half.
0: Thorpey, did you ever find when you played against your old manager, such as the case was on Saturday, that you were uh, more inspired yeah. or did it uh, put you off because you thought he knew what you would do?
3: No, definitely more inspired because you, you never want to be on the wrong end of um, uh, you know your, your, your old team. Um, it's, it's a bit more nerve-wracking, obviously, but um, certainly you, you try, I don't know why you're trying that a little bit more, but... And you you seem to be trying that a little bit more, and um, yeah, uh, it's it's certainly it's certainly different going back to your old club, and uh, and also the way the fans treat you as well. You know, I remember returning back to um, uh, to Yeovil for Torton Town, and yeah, (laughs) the old doubts of you're too old, and you know, uh, having a go at you when you made a bad challenge or something like that. So yeah, it's interesting, interesting.
0: That must have been difficult. That if you were making bad challenges throughout the game, if they were keeping on at you all through the game.
3: <laughs> well, I didn't like Price putting the earphones on like he did in the World Cup of Darts. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, what a what a girl what a queen he is, isn't he? That girl win Price. But I was going to mention it earlier on. <laughs> what a queen, dear. Oh dear. Oh, and you
2: definitely, you definitely say that to him if you met him. Wouldn't you? Oh, you'd put him in his place, then? I oh,
0: would, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't I'll stand the bloke, that? mate. I can't stand he? him. He's such an arrogant piece of uh, work. It's Welsh, isn't it? Well said, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is. <laughs> <It's bad>. Mind <laughs> you, I would have preferred an Englishman to have beaten him rather than a German.
3: No comment.
0: No. Good job we haven't got any Germans <laughs> on the show, it? You're welcome to <laughs> darts. Bloody hell. Yeah, I do not <laughs> Um so what do we know about the takeover then, boys? Have you, have you boys, picked up? And I think you've obviously seen the statement. I take it you haven't seen the statement. I will try and find it. What does it, it say? Well, if you hang on, I'm a sure you to yeah. I'll just try and get it up a minute. If you
1: just uh, hang on for a second. Here we go. Whilst you're getting that aid, I'll just bring Pounder in a second. Um, Pounder, do you think that we've? We're starting to see what a Mark Cooper Yeovil Town team looks like right now. Uh, still early days
4: for me at the moment. Um, obviously, the results are a lot better than when Chris was there. Um, I thought first half yesterday we were quite fortunate not to go in uh, with a 1 0 or 2 0 de- Um I thought Torquay were the far better team in the first half yesterday. If they took some of their chances, we could have had a different game on our hands. Obviously, he changed our half time, which it needed to be. I'm not a fan. I know we were speaking earlier about it. um, the. Um, sorry, 2 0 Brentford. Get in now. Ah. Oh, <laughs> <couple> <laughs> Keep watching. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of. In the half on. I haven't got a problem with it um, like 20, 30 minutes ago, so you set a board up, try and get some flick ons. But for me, how does Fisher feel sat on the bench there when he's got a centre half playing his role? And I just, you know, if I was Fisher, I'd be absolutely fuming um, well, to ultimate. start with. Like I say, if,
2: So, yeah. Don't don't you think that um, Fisher actually benefited from that? Because the time he came on, it's the classic second half substitution, isn't it? And, and the teams are tired, and the game's stretched, and he might well have benefited. Oh, he, he did
4: well, but I would still be absolutely fuming if I was a player seeing a centre half playing in the forward position yeah. uh, because I didn't yeah. think yeah. it worked. I don't think it worked. I thought, to be honest, I thought he was shocking up front. Um, but like I say, if we're going to go long and he wins pick on but we weren't even really doing that much. Um, but like I say, he changed it straight away. My only concern is that's two games running now. He's had to make two changes at half time. And I think in his interview, he said, you know, it's not the ideal situation. He wants to be making changes that early. Obviously, you know, we've got to start off right. But they're certainly, for me, they're going in the right direction. Um, like I say, it was, they, they had a spell in the second half when they come out, first 20 minutes, they, they played really well. And I think, for me, Daph is the big um, turning point because he can actually get on the ball when he seems to drive forward and pick passes. Um, I think when he's fully fit and working with... Um, like, say, Staunton there, and you got uh, Worthington working, I think we look a formidable force going forward.
2: The thing that surprised me about it was you, you put a big old lump up front, and then, as Thorpey was saying a lot during the commentary, the we, were very narrow, didn't use any whip. Yeah, Matt Worthington was oh. wasted playing at right wing but There were no crosses going in. As you say, if so if, you, if you get, you're
4: going to play a centre-half like that, six foot, Get the ball yeah. into him and get, get Linton and stuff feeding yeah. around him, but we didn't yeah. do that at all. And we were Never playing. Happened, stuff, did it? We we're playing stuff into his feet and making him expecting him to do runs round the back, and he's not going to do that for you. And like I said, he looked a different player when he
2: went back because he's more comfortable isn't he being a centre half. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Thorpe got used to playing in that half, hadn't he? Because he was the only one that didn't change halves at halftime.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, nice time in that half for, for the whole game. But um, yeah. yeah, certainly, um, certainly, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that he was a, a, an aerial threat at times, but nowhere near enough, nowhere near enough. And um, you know, the whole setup, the whole, it just looked awkward the whole whole first half, to be honest with you. But it needed changing. And you know, listen, the, the manager's done his job. He's, he's changed it. You know, he's. Um, he, he's utilised his, his squad really, really well, you know, and, um, you know, and uh, I, I thought the second half performance was magnificent, the energy was high, the time of the substitutions was bang on, and, uh, you know, and, and it's lovely to see you get what they deserve at the end of it. You know, first half like Tony said, was was Torquay's half, he'd have been a lot lot happier, um, you know, the second half we came out, we're a different, totally different team, and, you um, you know, and, and like, like you said earlier on it's great you know, to score
0: two goals Going back to this takeover business um, the statement reads as follows there has been a lot of speculation over the last couple of days regarding a takeover of the club it is true that there have been various conversations with potential investors over the last couple of months and whilst a statement confirming a takeover is premature I can confirm to supporters that myself and the club have entered into a period of exclusivity with a preferred party to become a major shareholder sorry a majority shareholder <clears throat> these ongoing discussions continue to delay an announcement for the supporters meeting but a time and date will be confirmed as, as we approach the a conclusion I will update you as the transaction progresses I hope you all have a lovely new year and get behind Mark and the team tomorrow in an important game against our
1: local rivals. So, what do you make of that, boys? I mean, nothing, isn't it, really? Yeovil Town and takeover chat. I mean, it's just wanna <laughs> be <of laughs> really about about what we say because, like, we're we're obviously, you know, we're we're partners with Yeovil Town Football Club, and they are bread and butter. And also on the flip side, we're also fans, and we want to see the club doing well and you want the best possible people at the club um you've got the best interests in the club and look at the speculation that's been referred to in that statement uh, i don't want i'm not going to i'm personally not going to name names about who's in there running to sort of take over but if you boys want to that's absolutely fine but we've spoken about before that there's one party in particular who's just Mouthing off on Twitter left, right, and centre. And I just think if you're a credible person who wants to take over the club, like, what are do you do? How's that going to make the fans or anybody want you to, to take you over? Think, Dave, but Dave, don't you think that that undermines anything that that particular party would say? Um, uh, I'm, I'm the way they I can't remember the, the name of the person. Pounder, you listen to a lot of um, talk sports, so maybe you, you know better than me. But I'm sure that there was. Was he an Italian? There was a guy that always used to ring in to Simon Jordan and Jim White who said that he was going to take over Birmingham and he was like this close to taking them over. But the guy was an absolute charlatan and he had nothing. He had but for me, a classy business person
4: would say nothing until the deal was done. Exactly. You, you keep quiet. You keep quiet and you do... You get the deal over the line and then you can do what you want, like they spout off early, but until it's over the line, I think, like you said, the one you're referring to who's putting stuff on Twitter and that is obviously, um, I don't think he's in the running at the moment, um, which I think he's more or less said on Twitter himself. But for me, he should have just kept quiet the whole side um, because it's only stirring the fans up even more, I think, what they're seeing. Uh, Just keep quiet and do your business as a businessman and then see what
2: happens. Well, he
0: but has. If that was he has happened, quoted. You wouldn't know about it until it did, would you? He has quoted on Twitter that he he, he said it's not me. So, um,
4: yeah, I you know maybe. one ninety nine ninety
0: nine
4: point nine percent. It's not him. Um, like I say, I don't think they would do business with him, Priestle. Anyway, I don't think. I don't think he's even spoke to him, has he? Um, so I think it's like, an, I it's an outside source coming in. Whether the rumours are true, but I mean he actually put a statement out now saying that he's in talks.
0: Well, it's, it's certainly stirred everybody up, and not necessarily for the good, really. That's that's the point. I, I, I must admit I'd much rather sort of live in ignorance and then be told, yes, it's happened, well, rather than this all this problem, speculation. Then,
1: I mean, this is the problem. I mean, without sort of, <laughs> again, picking on certain individuals, but, I mean, how many times... You know, since we've been doing Three Valleys Radio, has someone come up to us and said, "Yeah, the takeover happened tomorrow." <laughs> it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Never happens. Nobody's ever had a credible source. I don't know where all this crap comes from. To be quite honest,
0: <laughs> well, there was there was some guy um, who purports to work for the uh, Daily or Sunday Mirror who put out a uh... YouTube guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how yeah. does he think? He's going to have any credibility at all using language like he did. Look, we all swear, but my God, that was just like every other word. It was like Alf Garnet, you know, in retro. It was just unbelievable. So how anybody could take him literally, I don't honestly know. Don't you think he was reacting to the fact that he put something out there and it
2: was all the attention that he was getting and he just kicking back against that? People were asking things that he didn't know. And he put himself, admittedly, he put himself in that position, but he didn't know as much as he was to. And I just think he got caught out, it, and that's why he reacted the way he did.
0: Yeah, but you know, no need like to stuff. swear like that, Rick. Not, I mean, look, I'm not a prude. No, Don't I'm, get me wrong. I swear like a trooper myself. But but the thing is, you'd be surprised. I just I just <laughs> couldn't believe. Um, I couldn't believe that he, you know, he was expecting us to believe anything he had to say using language like that.
2: Reacting in that way and behaving in that way, he undermines the credibility of what he said anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely, he does and did, you know. Yeah. What do you think, Tony?
4: I'm, I'm with you. Like I say, Um, I don't actually know who the guy is, but he's a bit of a YouTube. Um, I think he was doing it to get his numbers up Hmm. um, on YouTube. They say. He's obviously got wind of something a little bit somewhere. He's obviously He reads, obviously, the Twitter and the Facebook accounts for Yobel, So, he stirred it un- up nicely. YouTube like yourself,
1: Sorry? I said, do you not YouTube yourself? <laughs> You're not on the old YouTube? Only my, only my
4: dance moves. Hilda,
2: you can see Tony's efforts on... Uh,
0: a Zoom meeting how do you think he's going to do a YouTube channel <laughs> yeah fair point fair point Thorpe, so, what do you think you haven't
3: had much to say about it well I, I haven't heard too much but all I will say is that one I, I want somebody to be credible at the, at the football club who's got the uh, the interest in the club first and foremost um, I don't want to be the next Barry um, which I think that, in my opinion We're not far away from that. Um, We need a a massive investment uh, or injection of money to get that investment so that Mark can be supported in creating a football team that is pushing for promotion and getting his football club back to where it should be, which is in the Football League. You know, um, it it, it seems to me that the um, the football club has been uh, used, if if that's uh, the right word, you know, and 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 allowed to slip back into a, a, a way of, of neglect in a way, and I, I want to see that change. And I'll see that change really quickly if the owner is, is a credible man. Then he should also want that. And also to get the club back in touch with the community. You know, the community of every town is is, is part of that. Is a football club or it's sport in general? You know, and I, I want to see this club uh, back in touch with the with its fans. And uh, allowing them back into, you know, the bars, creating money for the football club, so they can be used in such a way to push the club forward. You know, otherwise, I'm not really interested in any owner really that's, uh, you know, shouts their mouth off and uses uses the club for uh, their own, own financial gain.
1: Yeah, I think we've kind of covered all our bases, haven't we? Really, I think we're just sort of saying about what everyone else thinks on this is that you just you want the right credible people. Um, to be taking over the club, um, has um, has personal, Did he mention? Sorry, just going back into what you said about the statement. Did he mention that if the right offer came in, then he would be willing to sell the club, or did he not actually disclose that? No, he didn't mention anything along
0: those lines. Just that discussions guess, were ongoing.
1: Like probably up for sale if someone comes along with the right price. No, well, I mean he didn't. He didn't say
0: anything. Uh, in the statement that was negative towards a takeover happening, D- difficult to tell. I mean, it, it, is it, it going to
3: be a full takeover? Is it going to be a full takeover? Is it going to be a, a, a takeover where, like, it's just the ground and not what it originally was—the land around it as well? No. You know, and uh, I think that manipulation—we—we uh, we don't don't mean really listen. I, I know what businessmen are like, and you know, it's a ruthless world out there as regards to the, the, the business. But. Um, you're almost like breaking up the whole of of, of what uh, the assets of what Yeovil Town have got, and I don't think that's right.
1: Thorpe, do you do you think well, that's why, in the case of Yeovil Town, that the owners, um, well, yeah, the, the the takeover talks are always a lot more complicated than other clubs because of how all the lands and the assets for Yeovil Town have actually yeah. been teed up, so it makes it more complicated to actually complete a full takeover.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's complicated enough when you've got all the uh, covenants on the on the ground and as regards the sale of alcohol and who you've got to pay to, and who you've got to pay him money to do this, to do that. You know, they're as messy enough as it is, but then all of a sudden you start breaking it up even more what, and taking the land out of it, which is, is, is supposedly worth, you know, being estimated values of like between 19 and 22 million and then, Saying that it, it, you want to you, you want to take it out of the equation, well, it makes the, the club even worse, uh, less valuable. I don't think that's have, what uh, could be happening.
1: Thorpe, the only the only example I've really got is like playing Monopoly over Christmas. I know how difficult I am to negotiate with uh, over the uh, uh, assets. Yeah. <laughs> <athletes>. So goodness knows <laughs> what it's like to actually hold <laughs> hold Town and all their assets. <laughs>
0: I mean, listen. We've gone through
3: this before with the council, and the council said that there's no way that commercial uh, uh, activity, as regards the buildings, are going to be allowed on that on that, uh, that area. So why people are constantly keep on trying to do that, I don't I don't know. Unless unless you know, unless, I don't want to say about conspiracy theories or this, that, and the other or about like backhanders or whatnot. But unless you know, unless you unless you join partners with the council. And, and, and push this club forward, you know, because the council are a real big, massive part of it now. You know, they, they, they sort of like bought part part of the, the football club to help the football club out because they know that about the community side of it. And also it's an investment for them as well. And I hope they make some money out of it, you know, because they, they've really helped helped and supported the football club at a real difficult time. But it's important also that, that, that unless you work with the council, and put something on that land that is credible and worth something, then 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 they've said that that's not going to happen. And uh, say, if all of a sudden it does happen, then why is it happening? How is it happening? Is there is there sort of like you know money passed in between them? Because we want some open and transparency about all that, you know, because the, the fans deserve that. Because the asset at the moment is not just the football club, it's the land around the football club, and that's worth a lot of money to the football club. If you then take away that, then their their credit status will then obviously be worth a lot less, and that's not the way you should be selling the football club, certainly not from when you bought it. All of a sudden, you're then breaking that and taking the asset away from it. You know, that I don't think it's for me, there's no credibility in that.
0: But do you think though, I mean, if the council have stepped in to help, which they have. Um, and they've they've you know enabled the club to carry on um surely they've got a bit of pressure on them as well in so much as if they were to start um, making life difficult for any potential buyer with regard to the land they're going to get all of the uh, the public in general are going to be saying hang on a minute you know what are you as a council doing when there's there's hardship around everywhere and you're wasting god knows how many million on a football club which is not sort of the be-all and end-all of life i don't know
3: well, that's, that's what's being, being, being said, you know, all of a sudden you're using taxpayers' money, you know, and that's uh, in an area where we are, that's, that's our money as well, right, you know, so it needs to be done absolutely perfectly, What you know, absolutely perfect, and, uh, you know, there, there needs to be some, like, uh, transparency in that, you know, what's going on, keep the general public informed in that, and there's people out there, I mean, you got to remember, we're using it for public for public money, and there's people out there that, that are not even interested in and it's little parts of their money that are all involved in that. So the, the, the openness and uh, the information coming from the council, as regards to the sale of the, the football club, is absolutely integral to the transparency of it. You know, and that, that's exactly what, what we're all asking. You know, and it's not been funny, like, this preschool hasn't been that forward in, in, in telling us what's actually happening. It's all behind closed doors. You know, and it always sounds a little bit dodgy. You know, but, um, that's not really what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody, an owner, that that, that um, keeps us all informed as as supporters of the football club, but also um, just 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 as interested in the development of our football club instead of using it as a financial tool.
0: But do you, but do you not think, though, that it's down to the council perhaps to come out and make some sort of a statement to clarify the situation?
3: now now that they're now that they're involved yeah absolutely absolutely but it it also needs people to do that as well Mm. you know ultimately we're all we're all talking about Yelbertown Football Club because one thing for sure we're all fans of that football club we love that football club you know and and Tony and I have had the absolute pleasure of of being part of that football club and playing for it for an extremely long time (coughs) you know and um, you know so it's important that when you sort of like Worked as hard as what what we have as two individuals towards giving something back to that football club and to the fans. Yeah, absolutely. We want to make sure that it's being being done properly. You know, and I'd love to, I'd love Mr. Priestall to come on, the, on on our podcast and explain what's going on. I'd, lo- I'd love to throw a few questions at him, and I don't dislike the fella. All I want is it, it doesn't matter who's there. I just I would love just to see see the development. and see what's what you're doing to develop this football club you Know and look after the history of this club, that's that's uh, the important part of it.
0: Well, there you go, Hilda. Interesting topic, nonetheless.
1: Yeah, maybe, um, you know, to, um, Thorpey's saying about that, maybe Ady, it's time that we do football bloody hell live and people can go and book tickets at Westlands and come and see us. What do you reckon about that? Cool, heaven forbid. To... Heaven forbid. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think, I think the, the language. <laughs>
3: I actually think that's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Like, so, let's have a, oh, let's yeah. have a fans' night down Westlands in the questions and answers, and, and um you know maybe Mr. Priest will can turn up as well. You know, I'm nothing against the guy. I just think I just I, I want to see what the football club looks after.
1: Well, let's see how it develops. Well, yeah, absolutely. So let's let, let's let's move away from it completely then, because I see we we've, we've done the the oval chat, but obviously there's. There's fixtures to get ourselves um, get ourselves uh, into. But also, before we do that, the big news, obviously, Before I think this broke. I think it was only a few days ago, wasn't it? It was before we did the last podcast at the sad passing of Pele. Um, obviously, an absolute global superstar. Um, I'll I'll start with you. A lot of people talk about him being up there with the best or you obviously get the same names that are in that conversation but um but well, you've already chucked one the, in the little bits and pieces that i've seen he's um he's certainly up there if not the best isn't he
0: well you've tried it in twice now haven't you um having said all that <laughs> you've got to keep on the pace mate um first of all <clears throat> i never saw pelle play uh, other than on tv but i can remember in particular the 1966 world cup when he was involved and he got kicked to shreds they were and i think if memory serves me because he's going back quite a long time i think he had to pull out in the end because he was getting so many uh so many thousand and injuries as a result of it that he couldn't he couldn't do it but he was he was just he was just different class he was he was just so agile and so quick and so full of bright ideas that nobody else seemed to think of he was just he was just different class and and apart from that, he always came over as being a very nice person. You know, he really was a nice, I mean, like I said, I never met the guy, but he just seemed like a genuine nice person. And you didn't get that many sort of people like that around in, in that era, really. But he was he was kicked out of out of the '66 World Cup finals, as I can remember, um, when he was he mm-hmm. was he was top class, absolutely top class.
1: Pounder, I'll come to you. He's just sort of hit the nail on the head there that. But... Not only is he does he go down as you know one of the very best, but he also goes down as one of the very best off the field as well, doesn't he?
4: Ah, oh, most definitely. Like I say, um, unfortunately, like I say, it was all before our eras. Never got to see him play, but um, obviously my dad, he used to rave rave about him, he said to me like him and George Best he used to say, were head and shoulders above anything uh, around the world at the time. Um, but like I say, for off the field Pele an ambassador for football and what he's done for the game is just unbelievable and I think even if you haven't seen him play like we haven't um you hold him in that far high esteem it's just like um it's a blessing to himself I think. Thorpe,
3: same thoughts <sighs> yeah it did so really I mean you know it's uh, oh, the only other thing I'd add is that, that we've all got our, our heroes that we emulate and um I think Pele is by far the iconic person that we all want to emulate. I mean, you know, not not just the stature of the guy, the way that he was doing it at a time where the balls were heavier, and the football boots weren't as designed as they were, they didn't have the technology in the balls and everything like that. You know, and the the actual all-around ability of the guy was, was streets ahead of anything little people who are close to like these stars now, but you know when you see, see Pele, he was the man that started it all. Really, there was other other people around at the time that were sort of saying they were great players, but you know everybody globally remembers Pele. You know, and um, I think that he was the, I like, well he was the catalyst really for all these other stars coming through, and um, some of the ability that he did. Um, and some of the skill that he did you know he was shooting from like beyond the halfway line you know and, and 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 he's just all around aerial ability i mean he's just had the complete game you know his vision um you know but playing in a great side as well and uh but he just you know when you have a look at the amount of goals that he scored as well um you know uh just just just, just phenomenal and um you know he's, he's going to be sadly missed because like Tony said, he's been an ambassador for the game. And, uh, I just think that we, we all look up to... This The other side, when you're off the pitch as well, and um, you're still being pure, you know, he didn't take drugs. I don't know whether he drank or anything, but, you know, he, 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 lived, he lived like a, a lifestyle and it's absolutely a pleasure to be around. And, and like for, for the game, he was... Uh, you know, if anybody wanted anything to promote the game, they only look for one person. Even like, even up to recently, like you no, know, he, he's, he's still being promoted and promoting the game, even from his from you No, know? so um, I just think he's the ultimate. I me, he's the ultimate player and the ultimate professional.
1: But final point from you, Rick. Um, amongst all the the achievements and like, the boys have touched on the off the field stuff as well with with Pele and how he conducted himself. One of the um biggest memories um I think of Pelly is actually for something that he didn't score isn't it when he produced that outstanding dummy which just sort of astounded everybody particularly at yeah. that time but yeah. then just couldn't find the finish and in many ways the miss kind of made everything just seem a little bit sweeter humanised him didn't it I mean he Pele. was the first person the first
2: player he transcended the sport he was a global icon before there were global icons like we have now. Everybody, every Tom, Dick, and Harry is known worldwide now. Whereas back in back in the day, even before I was born, if you're talking about football to people that didn't know anything about football, you'd mention Pele, and they were on the same page. And I don't think, especially the way the game's gone, the game couldn't have had a better ambassador. And I don't think they'll get another one like him, to be honest. No.
1: Absolutely. Do you think? You've touched on it there. Do you think that we're getting to an era now where you just won't get the same level of... Not necessarily respect, because you're always going to get respect from... People are more polarising. ...but a very different kind of level of uh, professionalism.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and your your superstars that you have in the world game now are quite polarising, whereas Pele was actually a, a unifying force for the game, and he was that one... It's amazing what a decent bloke he was as well. With all the temptation, all the fame, and everything, it never went to his head, and he he just stayed the ultimate example of how to play the game.
0: Yeah, brilliant, brilliant player, brilliant
1: player. Um, talk, talking of um, of Pele, then I want to I want to bring in our good friend uh, Gianni Infantino, the guy with the trainers' aid. Oh, um, yeah, we Now, what a man he I is. S- because FIFA, I don't know if you boys have seen this. I think it was announced in the last couple of hours or so that they have um, they're going to go to basically all the football associations and ask that if they uh, can name one stadium per country after Pele. Um, Tony, he's he's done a lot of stuff since. Um, he's replaced that flatter. And a lot of people said at the time, you know, it's not going to get any worse than old Sep, but, um, he's given it a bloody good go, isn't he? And to think that, you know, some people might see this as a good idea first and foremost, but do you think that that's just FIFA trying to, in their minds, get some good publicity and get and jump on the back of a global football s- superstar when it's just sending out the wrong image?
4: What sorry? What was the statement in the first place from FIFA? Uh,
1: so Italy? they're going to ask all the football associations to name one stadium after Pele
4: in every what, a different co- in a different country. Yeah, every, every country. country. No, it's like I say that's just going a little bit too beyond. Like I say, what a player and what a person, a man. But, um You do your, your own Chinese. country. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Was it for, were any friends with his, uh, set platters? Yeah. yeah. Can we name Wembley then, Tori? Let's see if the football so Association sure. will we name Wembley, LA Stadium.
1: Well, for example, yeah, it could it could be any stadium. I don't know if it was a national stadium, Rick, or whether they said any yeah. stadium. I
2: didn't read beyond the headline because it's just typical FIFA trying to jump on something and give themselves some. Relevance and some credibility after the fast that was the last World Cup. So, should we, should we, if, change if we change Wembley Way to Pele Way?
3: But we change Wembley Way into Pele Way.
2: But what's he got to do with us? So he's a, a Brazilian. If it wants to happen Brazilian. in Brazil, you know it happens in Brazil. He was a worldwide icon, yeah. But you don't. It's too contrived. I
1: think. Do you agree with that, Aid?
0: Um, yeah, I think I do, really. I mean, you know, the next thing you know, he'd be insisting on people wearing Pele white trainers as well just to, uh, to get into the stadium or something. He's, the bloke's totally over the top as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I just, you know, anybody, you know, just not the way I've been brought up, but anybody that can roll up to a, a worldwide um, you know, occasion such as it was with the whole world watching with a dark suit or a white shirt and white trainers is just, he's beyond the pan, isn't he? He really and is. And
2: then, the other thing, I reckon, you know Messi wore that dressing gown. I reckon that was his idea as well.
0: Yeah, I bet it was too. You're right, Rick. Yeah,
1: terrible. He's an idiot. He is. Worse than Set. Still. It's certainly looking like that, and it's, and that's quite an achievement to be able to pull that off, isn't it? <laughs> but at
2: least, at least with Sepp, you knew what he was about. He was a horrible little self-centered piece of work. who was after the cash. You can see me if you like, because that's fact. But Infantino, you don't know what his agenda is. What what is he? What's his end game? He's an idiot.
1: Today yeah. I am disabled. Oh, it's a quote. Yeah. Just all wrong, isn't it? It's all wrong. But before we For all can... the
2: wrong reasons, that's that's the trouble with it. It's, it's there's nothing genuine about it. Everything about him is contrived.
1: To me, it was all summed up by the fact that in order to uh, reach the new age of supporter, Gianni Infantino now has an Instagram page, but he's turned off the comments, so nobody can actually <laughs> that yeah. that's, directly. That, that know, is so typical, isn't it?
3: <laughs> that about, about sums them right up doesn't it to be fair absolutely yeah. <laughs> an embarrassment, an embarrassment yeah
1: of football. talking of an embarrassment Thorpe. that's a great segue because Will if you're listening we need to talk about West Ham United because we'll go through all the, the fixtures and they had a disappointing home loss from their standards to Brentford though as we speak maybe everyone can lose to Brentford but uh, particularly but are West, are Ham, West Ham at home, um, what do we feel about this? That they're, they're the type of team where we spoke about last week, Rick, about how um close and tight the, the league is, particularly at yeah. the bottom half. You get yeah. two wins and you jump up to 10th to again, but because Dave, David Moyes is the manager, is that always going to give you that little bit more pressure from the fans because he's just not a flashy? Name and it's okay to get behind them when they're doing well, but they're soon quick to say, "Actually, we want somebody else with a bit more flair." When it doesn't start clicking, yeah, hundred
2: percent. David Moyes is an easy target, isn't he? Since he got promoted to the United job, which was beyond him, everybody seems to think that he's incompetent, and he's not. He's a he's a damn good Premier League standard manager. And the reason West Ham is at the, moment, the reason West Ham are struggling at the moment is because they they've got European football. And a squad that's not ready for it, so that the resources are a bit thin, so it's success that's put them in this situation. So, you've got, I think, you've just got to back the man that, that got you the success in the first
0: place. He seems to, to not know his best team now. I mean, he's constantly changing the team around a lot. From...
2: They spent a lot in the summer, didn't they? I didn't realize mm. just how much they spent over 100 million players in the summer.
1: So that, that, that goes beyond David Moyes though, doesn't it? I mean yeah, ha- in the last ten years since the um, the brothers have been in charge of um, of West Ham and Karen Brady is Karen Brady. The isn't it? They, they've they've spent over how many millions, nearly yeah. billions on strikers? It just doesn't work out? Like there seems to be definitely a poisonous poison chalice there for certain positions where it just doesn't work for whatever reason. And maybe it goes beyond the manager. Um, Thorpe. Is that, is that fair to say?
3: Could be. Yeah, play. the scouting side of it needs to be improved for sure. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're, listen, he's a very good manager. He's done a great job there. Did you watch the game, the last game? They actually played, you know, you've got the Brentford manager turn around and saying, you know, for like uh, two-thirds of that game, West Ham were the better team yeah. They cannot score. They haven't got a strike force. You know, Antony, Look, I's a very good, good player, but he's not. He's not an out-and-out twenty-goal man. You know, they haven't got one. Well,
1: this is the thing. You know, this is need... the thing. Bobby. We talk about them spending money. I mean, Skamaka, Okay, it hasn't really worked out for him so far. Surprise, surprise. Because any striker that goes into West Ham. But he, he turned down PSG, AC Milan. He was touted yeah. by a lot of big teams. Like, there is 20 goals in him. That's why they've signed him. But it's a million miles off.
3: But, but what you have to pay for these players nowadays, especially when you, you, you mentioned that word Premier League, you know, the price goes right sky high. So, unfortunately, look, nobody's guaranteed that that person that they sign is going to score them 20 goals. What you need to do is build it. You know, build a, st- a structure there, which he was doing. And he's doing You've got to remember as well, he's had lots of injury. You know, um, getting players back in after the World Cup as well. You know, they're, they're, they're not they're not fully there. And yeah, he's losing some games. They're having a little bad run at the moment. But he's still the right man for the job. But unfortunately, football's not like that anymore. And the fans will start moaning and then they'll go, OK, we'll get rid of it. We'll get somebody else in. And then they'll start, as West Ham do, they'll start the process again. You know, and um, what they need to do is just let him do his job. You know, if they fail this year, they will come back and they'll come back stronger. You know, and listen, he's been around long enough. He understands the process and he's got good people behind him. I will say one thing. I just think the scouting side of it needs to be better. You know, there are better players... Adapted or can adapt to this at a lower level, a championship level. Um, that are out and out goal scorers, you know. And um, this no team has any divine right. As Liverpool are actually it out tonight, Brentford are a really, really good side, you know, and they've got goals in them, you know. And uh, uh, and 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 he's building at Brentford. Exactly what other people want. We've got lesser players. They've not spent a lot of money. They're not paying out loads and loads of money. But what he's getting is a team effort from his squad, and everybody knows their role, you know, and and allow um, you know Moyes to do his job. The only thing I will say with with, with sort of like older managers now is that they they don't allow as, as them to express themselves as much, and they look too much into the, the defensive side. Before they they look into their attacking options, and um, I'd like to see them play more freer football, and you know, uh, and not so much of a defensive style. That would be my only criticism at the moment.
0: Will, how are you feeling, mate? I I, I hope you you know this is not making you worse, but
1: hope uh, you're not losing the will. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, this is true. The thing but is, but, though. Uh, the thing
2: is, though, if if West Ham aren't careful and they don't back. Moisey to do the job next season they could find themselves in the championship with no David Moyes and no Declan Rice and I'm pretty sure they would swap the situation they're in now for that they wouldn't swap
1: it rather and with a heck of a lot of debt as well with the amount of wages probably branched out on over the over the last over the last few years before we talk about other Premier League um, clubs Tony I want to put you on the spot a little bit because it's one of my favourite things to do, mate. But um, we spoke last year when Dean Smith was in charge of uh, Villa and he obviously got relieved of his duties and he very, very quickly um, went to Norwich. We knew it was going to be a difficult ass. They then went down. They stuck with him. And then I think with them still in, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was seventh place. They've decided to, yep. to let him go. First, twofold question, really. Tone. one, have you spoken to him? And two, um, are you surprised at what's happened? And is he, is he doing okay?
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I've spoken to him. Um, I spoke to him about a month and a half ago, where I knew things wasn't um, brilliant, but I think it was more of a, a mutual agreement. Um, he wasn't getting the back in, and stuff he was promised at the time um he was he still got his house in Birmingham so he was still commuting a bit um so I think that was sort of getting him down a bit um and I think like he said he literally jumped from one job within uh I think it was six days into the job he just wanted to get back into football he
1: he regrets that at all or too too early to to yeah yeah I
4: think he's looking back on it now saying that he should have took more time. Um, He he sort of just rebounded straight. He was gutted when he obviously lost Villa and left Villa. Um, And I think he's sort of taken a job. Any job has come along where I think he realises in hindsight. I think now he will have a little bit of time to sort of reflect on uh, what he wants next and where he goes from there a um, bit of time away as well because he's literally gone straight into that job let's like, say from
1: Villa Will it his Tone or, or do you not think so In turn, particularly at Championship uh, yeah?
4: I think he's made enough from the Brentford days and what he did at Villa um, he was a bit unlucky at Villa and the Villa fans love him there still um, obviously hasn't worked out in Town, Norwich um, like you say I think it was more of a mutual agreement they both parted uh, quite on good terms, I think. Um, so, oh, certainly,
3: yeah. Yeah, me, I'll just ask a question. I do think that, as as regards to his managerial career, he's still a young man. You know, and oh, definitely. He's, he's he's jumped in straight after six days into that job, you know, he's learning all the time, you know, and, um, oh, he, you know, that, that, of course, that experience of he probably not the best experience in the world, but, a decent club, you know, not being given the resources that he was actually promised, Will actually make sure that when he does go into his next job, do you think that if he does get a next job, he'd be stronger at the start, maybe attack it in a slightly different way? You know, because you say, like, he's probably got another, what, 20, 25, 30 years in the game, uh, possibly.
4: He'll he, he, he walk, he walk into a job, but he's going to be, I think, it's going to be right for him this time. He's going to be with yeah. the right chairman um, and everything. Like, uh, Walsh always managed manager, he got on with a chairman, Brentford. He had a fantastic yeah. relationship with the chairman. Even Villa had a fantastic uh, thing. So, I think he, like you said, that he's young and he's learned by his mistakes. So, I think he will take his time and it will be the right job for him and for the club as well he's going to, where he can he can bring his players in. He well, likes talking, to deal with a lot of, of youth time. by bringing them through.
1: Talking, talking, of, talking of which and taking it in a slightly different direction, um, I don't know if you've always seen, but... Um Scott Parker has actually got himself a new a new job and he's the new manager um of Club Brugge or Bruges depending on what which you prefer. Um obviously they the Belgian champions have been a f- few times um over the last couple of years. They've dipped a bit recently, but they do find themselves in the last 16 of the Champions League. Um some may see that as a little bit of a gamble, but Rick is that? A definition of a lovely old job? You'd think so, wouldn't it? Lower profile, in the sun, rebuild his reputation. Is that enough to to bring him back to the sort of the forefront of all our thinking when other jobs come up? Yeah, but if he's sometimes, it's, it's
2: you know when you pick a team and sometimes players get better by not being in that team. You're a better player if you're not involved in a bit of a mess. It might. Provided nothing goes,
1: got it. But when people start to miss you,
2: yeah, exactly. And I think that's possibly what he's done. And at the same time, it's it's high enough profile that he's he's working with good players, and he can just go away, enjoy it for a bit, recharge the batteries. I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Bruges, but it's not the same profile. But it's, it's still a decent club, and uh, come back to a big job in this country. Hopefully, you know, with re-energised
0: I didn't know it was that sunny in Bruges Rick Belgium hardly hard a term. it's a relative
2: it's a
1: relative term <laughs> anywhere sunny compared to where I he's am at the moment himself with chocolate is that what you're saying eh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my, there is, there
2: is a, a bit of Scott Parker that you'd almost think he was made of chocolate he, he does tend to like himself a little bit so uh, maybe he's gone to the right place
1: Maybe he can get himself some fancy suits in Bruges, because, um, like you well, say, you did... I do remember that there was a couple of jackets that certainly were talk of the uh, talk of this particular. Oh, no, come podcast, on a minute! You, that...
0: Don't you can't go criticizing people with jackets, especially you <laughs> of anyone. <birth>. You cannot <laughs> do that, uh, <laughs> listeners. This guy has got a bright red. Uh, jacket with pictures of father christmas and reindeers on it and he came out to our christmas dinner in it well, I, didn't,
1: I didn't come out <laughs> uh, well,
0: <laughs> well, that's all right you didn't come out yeah i'll, I'll give you that but honestly you, <laughs> you can't go slagging people off a bad coach, not with that one definitely not but anyway how are you uh, feeling yeah, will fun. are you uh, will Have you recovered from the onslaught yet will you know try and make it to the toilet can you because you know if you're going to be sick we don't want you doing it all over the carpet but, uh, you know, it's just not really a thing to do, is it? But uh, poor old Will, he'll be back with us next week, and I expect
1: he'll have his own back, don't you think, Hilda Well, if this results anything to go by, but hey, there's we'll, we'll see how 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 that goes as we're recording this right in the middle of Brentford versus Liverpool, the only game of the day. But talking of which, and the um the top four right race and the title race, we haven't spoken since Man City of dropped points and Arsenal have got another three um, Pounder I'll, I'll come to you first because we haven't spoken to you about about this yet but most of the lads on the podcast expect Arsenal to fall away and City to stroll on but it's, it's not working out that way is it? I don't think they
4: will, I honestly think they look strong to me, I thought that was going to be a big test for me when they went to Brighton the other day um, obviously, they were encouraged with Man City dropping a point, but they just look a very dominant side at the moment. And I still wouldn't be surprised if he strengthens in this window, which would put them well. they know seven points clear.
1: Yeah. Um, yes,
4: I believe. Seven.
1: I with know, I know the play City in a few weeks' time. They
4: got uh, to play Man City twice, but they're just looking. They're looking very strong, I've got to say. Uh, at the start of the season, I would have said, like I said, after 10 games, I would have said, I don't think they've got the depth, the, uh, the squad, the depth to compete with Man City. But um, like I say, we're we're over, we're over halfway now, aren't we? And seven points clear.
1: Not I, only that, Tate, to... as well. Not just on, just on Arsenal, but you can't guarantee that City are <laughs> going to get maximum points from their games because they've been... That- just as vulnerable, no. haven't they? For their
4: standards, well, it seems. Well, the thing is, you imagine if they win one of those games, like seven points, you're talking three three games where they've got to win, whether City's got to drop all, uh, Arsenal's got to drop all the points. So City's still got to keep rolling, um, keep rolling, and winning themselves. I, do, I think, like I say, I think seven points is a big gap at this stage. Uh, if anyone can do it, it's Man City if they get on one of their runs. I mean, I still think they're going to be concentrating on the Champions League. I think that's their big, big goal this year. Um, but also, you got to remember as well, um, Arteta was the understudy with Pep, Money for years? So, has he learned a lot off him? And certainly when they go to play him, it'll be interesting
2: how he sets up against him. Has, have anyone beaten Arsenal
0: in the league yet, yet this season? Oh, yes, I think I can tell you one team that has. They, they oh, have they? Yeah, they do play in
1: red, actually, as well. Oh, but, um, hey, hey, Cody, we're running out of time, but we've yeah. got enough time to fit that in, have we? Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely got <laughs> enough time to fit that in, old dog. Definitely. But look, listen, you're dead right we are running out of time. We're right on the button now at the moment. So thank you to everybody that's, first of all, listening to us. Once again, sorry about the dropout of the uh, commentary on uh, Sunday, but thanks, Rick, for joining us tonight. Always a pleasure. Same for you, Tony, and the same for you, Paul. Thanks for joining us. We do appreciate it. And uh, now that we've got Hilda back into the saddle a little bit now, um, he can now pop off and change a few nappies. And in the meantime, I hope, Will, you're feeling a little bit better, and we haven't totally ruined your evening, but... uh, on the other hand, I should go to bed early, mate. You know, come and know early night. You'll be better then. So until then, until next week, and don't forget we'll have a live commentary of the next game. I'm not quite sure when it is because I think we've got a week off next week, haven't we? If I'm right in saying that. But, um, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? So, um, yeah, thanks for listening to everybody. Please join us again, same time, same station, next week. Goodbye.